Shmai, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, sponsoring the podcast today are Rugby for Heroes. Rugby for Heroes are a not-for-profit organisation formed by keen rugby players and beer, and sometimes gin, sometimes gin drinkers, out of uh, Old Lemontonians Rugby Football Club in Lemonton Spa, West Midlands, Warwickshire. It's either the West Midlands or Warwickshire, I'm not sure which. I'm still struggling to come to understand that part of the country. Geography wasn't my strong spot in school. It is not my strong spot as an adult. But there we go. So anyway, back to Rugby Heroes. They organise, they fundraise for military charities and they do that through organising events every year, uh, multiple times a year. They've been doing it for over 10 years now and they've raised over £100,000 for military charities. Their next event is no, the next event that you can get along to is on the 8th and 9th of May, 2020. That is over VE Day weekend. It's a beer and gin festival. It's going to be at Old Lem's RFC in Warwickshire. They've got camping available. They have got... It's a rugby club. So they've got uh, nice cheap drinks available. Cheap good drinks available. It's a rugby club, so they've got good prices. Um, they've got a, a free fall display team jumping in. They've got the Forces Barbarians rugby team playing, of which I'm a member. They've got um, all sorts of stands there. Music, live music. A shitload of stuff going on. So, if you want to know more, if you want to get involved, go to uh, Rugby for Heroes, the rugby org or on social media, rugby, at rugby number four. I've got the hiccups. Two seconds. I won't bleep this out because it's authentic. Uh, at rugby number four heroes. Uh, thank you to those guys. A big thank you to Mike Valance uh, for sponsoring the podcast and for all the huge amount of work he does for veterans, uh, not just for rugby, <coughs> rugby for heroes, but for other things. Thank you. At Rugby Number Four Heroes. If you can't come to the event on the 8th and 9th of May, follow them on social media anyway. Uh, every like you give to Rugby for Heroes, every follow at Rugby Number Four Heroes gets, gives me another little bonus point on the route to getting a Christmas card from Mike. Please help me help Rugby for Heroes help veterans everywhere. Thank you. Also sponsoring the podcast today are Westway Nissan. Westway Nissan, you know they're the UK's largest Nissan dealership because I say it every time. You know they give you up to a 20% discount off purchases if you are a serving military person or a veteran. You also know that the MD is Tony Lewis, a previous podcast guest, ex-military himself, and the drive behind Westway Nissan. They do new and used vehicles. They do not only purchase, but you can lease hire from Westway Nissan. That's the kind of guys they are. They like to give you lots of options. They do private kind of vehicles, cars, they do pickups, they do vans, and you do commercial types of vehicles, bigger vans. They also do electric vehicles. They do the Nissan Leaf, which I love. I had a Nissan Leaf a few days last year. Um, they graced me with one. I was getting some work done on my car, and uh, fucking hell, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I Initially, I thought, uh, not sure about electric vehicle. Maybe my friends will disown me. Maybe my parents won't want to know me. But uh, it was okay, and uh, I want to get my hands on a Leaf. Fantastic 
piece of kit and actually reduce my fuel consumption costs by 75 percent that's right i was paying a quarter for my fuel my fuel over the course of a month than i was if i had a uh, combustion engine westwindnissan.co.uk westwindnissan on social media thank you to those guys my guest today is <laughs> i'm laughing because this is the second take because i ruined the first one yarl my guest today is yarl zur um a former officer with the israeli defense force she was born in israel grew up in israel has uh, had has had has yemeni grandparents and has been in the uk for a significant period of time um this was a fascinating chat uh, I've always been interested in the Palestine-Israel conflict, war, problem, situation. And uh, Yael is someone who has experienced it, one, from inside the military in Israel, and two, outside the military in Israel, and three, outside the military, and in the UK, experiencing what people in the UK think about what's going on over there. I learned a lot in this one. Without further ado, uh, this is the HR Podcast with Yael Tsur. Enjoy. Yael. Yes. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Lechaim. What did you say then? Lechaim. Yacharem. Lechaim. Which is the Hebrew way of saying cheers, which means for life. Is Hebrew your first language? Yes. Where did you learn Hebrew? In From my your parents. hometown, yes. My country. Okay, so, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I, I've, as I said, yeah. Didn't you know that? Didn't I know what? That Hebrew is my first language. Yeah, uh, no, I wasn't sure. No, no, I wasn't 100% sure. Um, so, brings us on to what I know about you. You are uh, ex-Israeli Defence Force. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, well, that's it. And I know some of your, I know some of, I know a little bit about your stance with things to do with that part of the world. Um, but I'm going to hand this to you. You wanted to come on the podcast. After when yes. I, you you said yes. After I asked you, <laughs> and I'm really happy with that. So you go for it. How did you end up serving with the IDF? Um, basically, living in Israel, it's enough, um, as everyone has to join the army. Um, so once you get to the age of 18, you're there. Unless you have a very good reason why you can't join the army, which is usually physical, mental. Um, um, if you got married before the age of 18, you, you cannot join the army. If you get married before you're the age of 18, yes. you can't join the Israeli Defence Force. Yeah. You why? can volunteer, I think, but you don't have to. You oh. definitely don't have to. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What if, you, what if you join up when you're 18 and then get married? So you're still there. You said Yeah. Okay. Why don't they let you join when you get married before 18? Um, because you have kids and family and stuff that you That's need nice of them. It's considerate yeah. of the Israeli Defence Force. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Well, I'll, <laughs> I will tell you more 
new things about Israeli defense wars. Go on. So how was the IDF? What was training like? Um, so the thing is that when you get to the age of 18, you're ready and you're full of motivation. And basically from the age of three, you want to be a soldier. So this is the way they raise us. Um, this is in the education. Um, this is in the culture. Um, it's everywhere. The songs, you know, the movies. Um, you know all of your family members and friends. They've been there. They have stories. Um, that usually they share the stories that you feel easier to relate. Um, so you want to be part of it. Um, and then when you get to the age of 18, they don't need to convince you. You want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, of course, not everyone wants to be there, but that was a voice that you could hardly hear. Mm-hmm. At least when I was 18, which was long ago. Um, and so it's like an easy job to make me join the army and to make me um, feel part of the group. Um, I'm, you wait for the day to put your uniforms. You wait for the day to get your um, rifle. You, you wait for that. And so you're very, everyone excited. You have a party the day before. Um, and and it's everywhere. It's in primary school, secondary school, high school. Um, you talk about it like you don't like that <coughs> indoctrination, um, would you say? So I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm just asking. I think that if we, if we would meet, meet like three years ago, you would hear different things. If, if what? If we had if met three we, years yes. ago? Okay. Yes. Well, what you mean? Um, because just when I left Israel and moved here to the UK, <coughs> I, for the first time, thought about things. I mean, I, I'm embarrassed to say that, but they are so good in what they're doing that you really think it's the only way. You really think that you have to. You really think that this is your destiny to be part of the Israeli um, army. And and there are so many blind spots that no one talks about that some, you know, eventually they become like they're not there. So you have questions, but no one answering them. So one day they're just gone. Um and sometimes you don't even have the questions because it's clear that you shouldn't ask them. Okay. And, and when I moved here, um, I could see the face of, you know, of the public I've met, you know, in everywhere. And I'm a, a bit chatty person, so I've talked with everyone. And once I said I'm from Israel, you could see the face, which was like, hmm, Really? Now, all that they immediately ask, and what do you think about the Israeli-Palestine conflict? Which was, you know, I wasn't ready for that. Or that you could really see that they don't like me. 
Really? Yes. Ooh, I wonder what people you met, because my experience with Israel, Palestine, uh, my experience of what people think about that as, as outsiders is I, I would say across my my group of, my sort of, my, my friends, my lifetime friends, um, all three of them, <laughs> is it's pretty much 50-50 split in terms of what the opinion is on the Israel-Palestine problem. I'll call it a problem, okay, Israel-Palestine yeah. problem. But it is swayed on, on a different um, a perception of the Israel, of Israel and Palestine. Well, of Israel is that my background is predominantly ex, is predominantly military, and there is a certain regard for the Israeli Defence Force, uh, uh, certainly the technology and um, um, the resources they've got, and their weapon systems looked on in a positive light from a military point of view. I they are capable. Yeah. Um, but from from the problem, it's 50, pretty much 50-50 split. So explain more to me about that. What was that like then? Come over here, first off, being questioned about it, and two, having the feeling that people were not judging friends me. of Israel. They, they were judging me. Okay. Um, and at the beginning, I wanted to say, I wanted to know why. So I, um, and don't laugh at me, I just wrote, um, what do we think about the Israelis? Um <coughs> You know, just just to know what Google might find. Oh, in the Google in search. In the Google search, yes. I just wanted to know what the first thing that coming out. What did you? What was the search term? What did you search? Um, so I don't remember the exact word, but it was you know the opinion about the Israeli or something like that. Because I wanted to know why people don't oh like my me. God. Um, some even sent me back to where I belong to. Okay. Um, and the things that I've you know. The database that the average person, you know, basing all of their knowledge on um, is YouTube movies, um, articles in, you know, every day and on a daily newspapers. Um, and lots of those movies were, they came out of my country by my friends. So all the left um side of you know the the left opinion um like Betelem and and um Shuvrim Shtika and so on the breaking Shuvrim the Stika? silence yes Go on. Uh, what? breaking Sh- the silence Shuvrim Shtika Shuvrim Shtika is that a name or a thing yeah it's it's um it's it's a group it's a movement um breaking the silence okay which an is an israeli based group yes which is an ex soldiers talking and telling the truth about. Oh, really? The, yes. How do you spell that? Um, in Hebrew, you can just write, you know, breaking the silence. Breaking the silence. I want to write it down. Okay. Yeah. Ivrim Shtika. Shovrim Shtika. Shovrim Shtika. Okay. Yes. Very good. <laughs> um, I'll be speaking in Hebrew by the end of this. Yes. <laughs> um, and I was, to be honest, I was angry because I said I felt like, why are you? publishing those kind of movies that made other people hate me. I was really angry. Um, but at least I understood what's going on. Were you not aware of them when you, those videos when you were in Israel? Not really. Okay. Not really. Like I, I knew it's out there, but I didn't know, you know how <coughs> strong they are. Um, and then... 
And then I felt that I want to have my own database and I want to share it with other people. So I start questioning um, things that for me were facts. Um, like there isn't any other way. If we want to survive, we have to fight the enemy. Um, and about the history and to realize how, how many blind spots there are in the history that no one ever talks about not in school you know not in the family discussions not um, between friends no one um, part of the problem is with it part of the problem is with it correct me if I'm wrong y'all is it's a touchy subject because the second world war was not that long ago in, in it's a touchy subject um, in terms of looking at Jewish history, Israeli history. Uh, but it's a subject, the history that fascinates me. I've always been interested in, in what is taught, what is said. Um, because there are cases, I'm not saying it is the case in Israel, we've not had this conversation yet, but there are cases <coughs> in first world countries as well as in not so um, prosperous countries and different places around the world where alternative history is taught. Yeah. For... The wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, so go on. Which so. are the good reasons, you know, for the government, for the country, for the economic, for... They, someone, you know, wants you to know those things and wants you to not know other things. So talk about the history that you were taught. Um, so, <coughs> and really, as I said, I feel I'm embarrassed about all the things that I didn't know and that I just started to question it now and learn it now um, and you know I'm saying they're doing a great job and they know what they're doing and how to convince me that I want to be a soldier they don't really have to do uh, much because I've lost my uncle I've lost my father um, younger brother I've lost two friends from my class um, not talking about my year just my class um, I've lost people that I was with during my service. Um, you hear about it. You know, it's everywhere. In the Israel-Palestine <coughs> conflict. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a hard, it's not a tough job to teach me to think they are the enemy. Now, I want to say something um, that I, I think it's really important before I'm going to share my opinions and thoughts. Everything that I'm about to say now I know that my, um, you know, my enemy, which is um, a figure of something that I don't know, I never met, you know, it's, it's a something, it's a concept. They can say the same. You're talking about Palestinians, right? Yes. Well, the Palestinians well, Palestine. is, is a, no, Palestine is everything. Palestine was Israel as well. Um, so everyone before... They got their Israeli passport. They had a Palestine, Palestine passport. Um, and so they can say the same. And they can contradict what I'm saying. They can say, actually, you know, it's exactly the same from our point of view. But my job is to say my opinions. And your job is to go and listen to other opinions. And your job is to put question marks at the end of my sentences. And 
I feel that people get, you know, bits of information and they store it somewhere, like it's now it's a, it's a fact. And it makes them create their own point of view. And now they know. Because, yeah, I've watched two movies and I've read a book and I have a friend. I have a friend. It's a, it's a very good database um, resource. Um, so I really want to say what I think is my thoughts and my opinions. And probably my brother and sisters have different thoughts. And my parents and my, my, my two girls, my two beautiful girls will maybe have different opinions. Well, well this, is one of the, this is one of the reasons I've been looking forward to this podcast. You're absolutely right. People have different opinions. One of the things that we're over here that <coughs> uh, we, we do not have, the, I say we, like British people, well, myself, I say we, let's talk myself. I don't have the benefit of being able to learn from someone who was there. And absolutely, your experiences are different to the next Israeli, to the next Israeli, to the next Israeli. Yeah. Um, but they hold so much more weight than anything I can read online because I can't validate that stuff. I'm sitting here looking you in the eye. I can see the way your faces. I can see the, your expressions, your 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 body language. I know that so far it's been genuine. Yeah. <laughs> so go for it. Yeah. Um, and if I can start with the end. Um. What we need to stop do, doing is talking with us and them. And as long as we're going to say us and them, nothing is going to change. Because the first thing, um, and it is the end of my, you know, of my monologue here, um, once we realize we are all in the same, can I say shitty You can, swear. You can, you can say whatever you want, go for it. <laughs> and we are drowning. And we are at the same situation. So it doesn't matter if you are the one to blame or I am the one to blame. <coughs> we are both going to die at the end. And are you talking about life? That analogy just sounds like life. life. That's life. That's the shitty yes. boat. We're all in the same place. Yes. You call me X. I call you Y. We are ultimately on the same. We're the same thing. Yes. Okay. Because um, even if you're a soldier in, you know, if, even if you fight for Israel and even if you fight for Palestine, um, we just want to live. We don't want troubles. We don't want dramas. We just want to live our peaceful life. And, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter and a five-year-old. So nine years ago, everything changed. Everything. Everything I believed in. So if before that I really felt like, you know, this is what we have to do. We have to give a um, <coughs> few years of our life and maybe even our lives to protect this country because this is all I have. And for me, this is all I have. I have friends that have European passport or, you know, all kind of different countries. My grandparents came from Yemen. I don't want to go back there. Even if I had the Yemen passport, I don't want to go and live there. So Israel is all I have. Even now in the UK, I have less than a year. Then I need to go. So this is my home. Um, and ever since I become a mother, I don't want to pay that price 
it's a price that I'm not willing to pay. And I can tell you because we keep living next to the one that came back from the war. They didn't won. They didn't win. They are not heroes. They are victims, just like the one that didn't didn't survive the war. So they are like dead men walking, and we all have friends like this. You mean IDF? Every, every military okay, service, yeah, basically. Yeah. But yes, I mean my Israeli friends. Yeah. Um, I I know at least two families that are struggling on everyday basis just because depression and PTSD and they just can't and and it's been more than 15 years and they just can't stand on the both feet and have a normal life what is the tempo of operations like in the IDF so uh, what can you I, I don't need to give I do not want to give specifics for obvious reasons um what what was the broad role that you were involved with the with the IDF so mine um and because I have glasses and eye condition and I'm a female I couldn't go and be a warrior which I really wanted to be okay I felt bad about my service so what I could do and I was I was an officer and I worked with teenagers and we went into high schools and we talked with teenagers and we helped them make the right choice I join. Uh, <coughs> so I, they have to join. I have to join, yeah. So yes. what was the right choice? The then? right choice is at least make it meaningful. Okay. At least make it something that you could, A, benefit from, um, B, really make a difference, um, and basically put your life in risk. Okay. okay? Just to be honest, you know, this is the bottom line. Um, so this is what I did. And today I'm thinking about you know, I don't know how many kids didn't want to put their life in risk and did it after, you know, what we did, because we did a good job. And now, you know, they're paying the price or their family paying the, paying the price. You shouldn't hold guilt for that. I'm not saying you do, but you shouldn't hold guilt for that. You act on what you knew at the time, not what you know now. Yes, and, and which is easy, you know, exactly. to say. You focus on the progress, and if yeah. you see it's improvement, then there we go. Um, going back, what? so what is, the temp- what is the tempo of offensive operations like with the IDF? where the Palestinians are concerned? Um, So most of the IDF um, work, I would say, had nothing to do with the Palestinians. Okay. Okay. Um, The the IDF is is an organization that is built in in society. So we work a lot with, you know, with the communities. We work with with kids... um, and the risk, um, the IDF gives home for teenagers that probably, you know, would go into crime or something <coughs> like that. And they give them a house, an education, which they didn't have. So we have, I was part of the educational department in, in the IDF. So we, do, we are doing many things that have nothing to do with the Palestinians. Um, we also you know, got this part of defending Israel and the definition of defending is where the problem starts. Go on then. Um, Now, I think that my main approach that has been changed for the last two years maybe is that 
I'm not thinking about, um, I stopped defending um, our actions. But I also, I'm not searching for blames. All I want to do now is to really understand the situation. All I really want to do now is to go back to history and see how things lead one to another. And, and you know, it's not that if I will say, well, I know why the IDF acts in one way and I know why the Palestinians act on another way, so now I'm defending them. But I really want to understand the situation. You want to understand? I want to understand. Okay. Yeah. What's your understanding now? Um, so, you know, I'd, you said we have an hour and a quarter. And I, I can't really put everything there, but... Um, or that contradicts that what, you were, what you were taught <coughs> or what you uh, brought up with. Yeah. So, for example, um, one of the things that the British people always ask me is about <coughs> Balfour Declaration. Is about yeah. what? Balfour declaration okay. and you know what I've been taught about it and what do I know what do I think was that the 1956 that? Uh, with a with a, a, a allocation of land to the Palestinians was so the on the declaration no on the um, on it, sta- it started in 1917 basically oh really yes Jesus yeah. right, remind me of that Jesus <laughs> wasn't there so. <laughs> um, and it's um, lucky him yes <laughs> Um, so one of the things that I didn't know and I've learned is that there is a scientist. His name is Chaim Weizmann, which later was one of the um, Israeli um, um, prime minister. But Chaim Weizmann was a young um, scientist and he came to Manchester and he was very clever. And there was um, a situation, and sorry if I'm taking just part of this story about no it's interesting you carry um, on and there was um, the Germans um, occupied um, Belgium Belgia I don't know how to say Belgium it. Belgium yeah um, and Belgium was the one responsible for um, again Hebrew word that we say the same in English I don't know how to say but Atiton which probably sounds the same which is the fact the thing that will um, create the fire um it makes the fire start, so you make the fire burn, and so you can use it um, in the military forces. Okay, Atiton, I, I will... Uh, oh, um, hang on, napalm. It, it sound, probably. Um, uh, um, explain it again. So it's, uh, today you use it to take the um, colour out of, out of your nails. Oh, oh I do God. call it... <laughs> Sorry, my research yeah. is in Hebrew, yeah. that's why everything no, is fine, in Hebrew. No, it's fine. Um, so it's not <coughs> napalm. You don't use napalm to yeah, so cut off your nails. I, don't know. <laughs> I was writing as you were talking, uh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah so uh. it's not that. Um, and, and then um, Britain was in trouble because they couldn't fight without it. In, okay. um, um, you know, against the Germans. So Churchill himself find out there is a scientist named Chaim Weizmann yep. that he found a way to create this material. And so he went to him and he said, can you help me and create more of this amazing thing that you just did? 
And he said, yes, of course. How much? How do you do it? And he said, I'm using corn. Corn? Yeah. Keep talking. Okay. Keep, I'm just going to step away a minute. Okay. Um, and then he said, okay, so I need you to do that. And he said, okay, let me know how much you need. And he said, 30 tones. 30 tons? Yes, of it. Um, and... And then he said, okay, and they brought from Canada corn and they did it. And there is um, the vice president, um, Lloyd George, was the one who said, um, we, will, we need to remember um, uh, how Weizmann himself helped us win um, the war. Uh, Brit- you mean war. British? So yeah, the, yeah. The, not, the, not the prime minister, the, it'll be something else. Um, yeah. yeah, go on. How do you spell Han Weissman? H A I. Yeah. Maybe Y M. Okay, Han and his Weissman. Chaim. Yeah. Yes, it's Chaim. It's like Lechaim that I said with Got the Y. <laughs> Weissman. Keep talking. I'm just, I'm just googling um, trying to find out what this yeah, thing is. Yeah, I can give you later all the details. Okay. Um, and so when Balfour Declaration started to. Um, there was, you know, many changes, and the um, the version that we now know had many changes along the way. Explain what the Balfour Declaration was. So the Balfour Declaration is um, it's an act of a goodwill um, written um, by Balfour himself, saying that um, we support the Britain support um, um, the, a Jewish country in Israel. Along other things, which the main one one of the main thing was um, without hurting any other non-Jewish um, population in Israel at that time. Um, but without that Balfour Declaration, there were probably no country, no Jewish country. Okay. Now, for some reason, and there are reasons, of course, it took almost thirty years, and so the Holocaust came. World War Two, six million Jewish people, and so even the public changed <coughs> their mind because at the beginning, the Zionist, you know, group, they were quite small. It wasn't the mainstream, and people lived in the U.S. and in the U.K. and they said, "We don't want a, a, a Jewish country. We want to stay where we are. It's good for us where we are. Um, we don't want to have two homes." Just cutting in. Yes. Uh, so going back, Chaim uh, Weissman. Okay. So what he developed was uh, basically a fermentation process that produced um, cordite. So we British military, we know the smell of cordite. It's yeah. what it's. You, I mean, you could you could say gunpowder. Basically, cordite's a type of that. That's a that's a loose definition of it. Um, going forward, see that's interesting. Where I didn't know that about 1917. Um, I also didn't know that was the opinion of uh, uh, Israelis. Not Israelis. Jew- yeah. Sorry, not Israelis. Jewish. Jew- Jewish. Um, and all how small the Zionist movement was. My understanding of um, of that ge- the history of that geographical area and the Jewish the Jewish relationship to that area that was Palestine or was all Palestine is that. And I am, I'm, this is a broad brush and how I've explained in the past after doing some reading up. In that area, thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago. <laughs> you carry on with yeah. that wine. Um, 
thousands of years ago in that area, and I want you to correct me after this if I'm talking rubbish, okay? Not that you were there, but thousands of years ago in that area, like all over the world, and I mean thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, before countries, there was a bunch of tribes in that area. Now, loads of tribes in that area. Um, and we're talking about Middle East. That's the area. It was, you know, it's a big old area. And through war, through this, through that, through all sorts of stuff, the tribes dissipated. They moved to other, other, elsewhere. They moved to different lands, like everything they did over the world. And the one that remained in what was Palestine became known as Palestinians. The Palestinian, a, a tribe stayed. They became Palestinians and Palestine. That's how I understand them in the area, broadly speaking. Yeah. The Zionists <coughs> lay claim to that land and said, oh, we used to live there too. We should have part of that land. That's my understanding. Yeah. So the only thing I would add to that is that the Palestinians that you're talking about, some of them are Jewish, some of them are Muslims, some of them are Christians. They are different groups of people that stayed there like the british are christians muslims yeah flipping jewish we're british because we're from britain or english or yeah. welsh so palestine's a place it's not a religion it's not yes, a doctrine okay exactly. cool um and palestine palestinians are people that live in palestine but are palestinian jews as persecute mm, are, te- are treated with as much um uh, discrimination by Israel as Palestinian Muslims? Does, does Israel um, differentiate between different religions within Palestinians? So, once you have Israel and the boundaries of is- the, the Israeli country, you don't have Jewish people live in the other side of it, what we call Palestine, but actually it's not a country yet. Okay, We call it Palestine because it was the, the large space that part of it become Israel became Israel so whatever left it's still Palestine because it doesn't have a name and this is what they got their name from from Palestine yeah so when is so <coughs> when Israel was established those Palestinian Jews for example they came to live in Israel yeah okay I yeah. see now I see um, and so so just after the it took 30 years for some reason um, for the Balfour Declaration to come into actions. And after World War II, you can understand why actually the public, the Jewish pop, you know, population around the world is suddenly more supportive um, of that idea. Um, though most of them didn't come to Israel. Most of them moved to different um, areas around the world that were more safe for them, but it wasn't Israel. Um, and... You know, it's Palestine is one of the names. It's actually Palestine, Palestina. It's a Hebrew word. Is that how the Palestinians pronounce it? So they they say yeah, Palestina. Palestina, Palestina. Yeah, they say Palestine. Palestine, okay. But it's Palestina is the origin original word um, from the Bible, basically. Okay. Um, so it was a matter of of. Um, place where you li- where you live and not your religion not your opinions nothing like that um, and once we have once we have Israel and this is my story and it's clearly different to someone else who lived in the UK in the US in in you know um, 
South Africa or whatever, my grandparents came from Yemen. It wasn't safe to be a Jewish in Yemen. Like it's not safe to be a human being in Yemen <laughs> right now. Sorry. Um, and when my grandmother um, was four, she lost her mom. And what they did back then for an orphan um, girls is to um, make them get married with a Muslim man. So what you do is you keep those girls safe. You hidden. keep them hidden somewhere. And at the age of, you know, when she old enough to get married, which was 12, they she got married with a nine, uh, 25 years old man, which is my grandfather. And only when they got married, they could live um, to Israel. Because before that, she couldn't live by herself. You know, she's a woman. He was a Yemeni. Um, so he was a Jewish Yemen. Oh. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I will forever remember that story, how my grandmother said, um, they took me somewhere. They said, you see there at the third floor, there is a man. You're going to marry him tomorrow. And, and this is the story of my two grandmothers. And then, only then they could move here. So basically, those men saved their lives and saved my life because I could be another 12 years old Yemen Jewish, you know, girl getting married. Um, so for me, if we didn't have Israel, I don't know what was my future, you know, how it would look like. So when you ask me about what Zionist is for me, for me, it's an option for to live. And I want to live, and that's why I don't want wars with anyone. But give me the option to live, because we didn't have any other place to go. It's not like in, you know, in Europe or in the, in, in the US when you could say, okay, we're taking everything. Let's say that we could, um, we could see what's going on, and we could predict the war, and we took everyone and we moved <coughs> to a different place. We didn't have that. So for me, Israel is my only house. And so sometimes, you know, the, the defense mechanism and the, it's a cognitive dissonance that predicts views and not reality. So sometimes I will say a lot of things about Israel just because I know that I can't say something bad about the only country I can live in. So sometimes, you know, I have to shape my opinions a little bit and make them more, um, I don't know if it's... Acceptable to yourself. Yes. So you're trying to, you're trying to betray, you're trying to, exp and again, I tell me if I'm wrong, you're trying to explain something about your home country that, that to you is a negative thing about your, your home you're trying to word it in a way that still speaks the truth, but on you as an impact to your loyalty yes. has a minimal impact. I understand yes. that. I understand that. Yeah. I think. And, and, you know, even living here for the last three years, sitting here in this amazing town and saying bad things about, yeah, I saw that, um, and saying bad things about my country, you know, it's hypocrite. It's not, you don't do that. I can't sit here 
being safe. Hearing my friends, um, um, I have many friends that live next to Gaza Strip because it's cheaper there, and and it's um, it's you know um, kibbutz. Do you know the word? Kibbutz? I know the word. What does it mean? Yeah, kibbutz. yeah. So it's um, um, the beginning of. Um, I forgot the word. Um, you know, we then just came to settle down in Israel and they um, created those small groups living in different areas in around Israel. Tribe so villages. Yeah, but it's it's there are different kinds of. Okay. Um, and so their families are there for the last 60 years, 70 years. So oh, you mean like farm, farm agriculture, that kind of thing? Yeah, it's sort one of. part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's more of the social Google, Google told me that. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't trust everything Google tells you. Um, yeah, part, of the, part of the thing, I understand what you're saying, part of the thing with that is that 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 opinion in itself that you shouldn't say bad things about where you're from, you know, where you, what, what has been good for you on the whole, that's not right. It's just something yeah. we brought up with. It's the same for anyone from anywhere. America... So you were talking about South Africa earlier. South Africa, it's it's you know we we're loyal to what is is good for us, and especially with we're talking about you talk about indoctrination and and government and the way you brought up and the culture within you brought up in. It it seems to go against looking at the negatives as well as the positives what you brought up in, but you it absolutely should be should be looking at you know you yeah. sh- you should look at everything you should but it's very difficult to you should look at everything with a completely open mind yeah it's been good for me but they're also bad things you know which the only thing is but then when you go and talk with someone don't forget so i really believe don't forget where you're coming from and don't forget where you have to go back to so i'm not saying i'm going to say good things about bad actions I'm saying if I want to say something to convince you or to convince my friends and my family, I'm going to say it in a way that will make a difference. Not just to sit down and say, yeah, this is bad and this is bad and we are horrible people. Now, if you ask me, and not just me, but if you ask me, there is a huge um, similarity with what the Israeli wants and the Palestinians. Both of us doesn't want wars. 90%, and I'm saying the last number I've heard, I probably it's even higher, of the Palestinian population don't want, you know, the government or the terror, you know, um, um, they don't want um, to go to wars, they don't want to be um, suicide bombers, they don't want that. The only thing, and this is where I stuck, I feel like I'm, I'm, now I have no answers, just questions. But what they need is that we will help the population to come to rise. But they don't need me to do it. And I will try to explain myself. They, be, they being the Palestinians? Yes, which I said I'm not going to say they. But it's just because no, no, we I live know. there. No, I'm okay? asking, no, just now I'm going to try and explain what I'm saying. Okay, I think that because because the, because Israel has power, has money, we're like years not really under the threat of you know vanishing f- 
from from Earth. Okay, we're not there for years. We're still telling ourselves we are, but we're not there. So we have a lot of resources that we're not using correctly. And we should support the education in Palestine. And we should support, um, you know, the... the um, Anything that is not the government, that the money will go to the right place. Why should you? Why should I? Why, why should Israel do that? Because we are human beings. A. B. Because um, the history, and we can't really go through all of it, but the history creates us as enemies. We never, we never were. And my dad could tell you, you know, how many Arabic friends... He had, and how when he was in the military, on service, they were sit together, and they were drinking coffee together and telling stories together, and they they were cooking for them, and he was cooking for them. They were friends. And then one day, around sixty-seven, everything changed. Yom Kippur War. So Yom Kippur was seventy-three. Oh, seventy-three. So even before that. Um, but from 48, which everyone thinks that is the day, you know, when everything got went wrong. Now, there are many things that went wrong on that day, but it wasn't yet. Explain what 1948 was. So Nin- 94, watching. yeah, sorry. 94 is the day where... 48, know, day, 48, 48 yeah. yes. Um, 48 is the day where Israel, you know, got declared as a country. Um, By the West. Yes. Um, and, you know, there is, because um, I've w- tried to watch as many things as I can, one of the things I've watched it, and, and I recommend it, it's called um, The Gatekeepers. Now, it's a six-episode um, Hebrew program, but there is, on Netflix, there is an hour and a half of mix from all of those six episodes, okay? And one of those... Um, one of the things that I've heard there is that when Ben Gurion declared, you know, the country, um, and everyone went outside um, dancing, partying, laughing, he stayed in the office. And who was this? Ben Gurion. Oh, uh, Ben Gurion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the prime minister at the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, the first one, basically. Before the first that Israeli day, prime he wasn't. Minister. Yes. Um, and then. Um, the, I can't remember exactly who it was, and I'm sorry for that, but he said to him, why don't you go down with them and celebrate? And he said, because they're celebrating now, they will cry tomorrow. So he knew that that step of declaring you know, Israel as a country will only start a big war. And I can understand, and this is where, when I'm saying those kind of things to my friends in Israel, I'm I'm the betrayed person. I'm suddenly, you know, something like that. But a traitor. A traitor. Yes, I told you English is not my. You got very um, good strong English. Very good side. English. Um, it's almost as good as my Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can understand why they don't like us. I can understand why we don't like them. I can understand a lot of things that before that three years ago I couldn't. But at the end, you know, it's, it's, a mal- it's like s- very simple. We had 
um, we had space to live in peace. And suddenly you come back and there were more of them than of the Jewish people on 48. Um, but suddenly you come back and you say, yeah, we were here like a million years ago. And now we want that land back. And I know that we made them live their houses. And I know, and you know, no one is trying to hide that. No one, because it's there. And I've, you know, it's, it's <coughs> if you Google it in Hebrew, in English, in Chinese, no matter what, you will find it. But It's not even hidden. It's, it's, yes, this thing, it's, 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 it's there. It's, it's there. out there. And, and, and then the question is, can you say it without feeling that you betrayed your country? And this is where I think things got wrong, gets wrong, because I want to be able to say we did, you know, some horrible things, and next to it to say yes, they did horrible things, because this is war. And give me one example of a friendly war. There isn't, and I don't know why suddenly people expect that the Israel-Palestine problem, war, conflict, however you're going to call it, is going to be different. And the only thing is when I, when I ask people in here why they support Palestine, because I ask that. You mean in the UK? In the UK, yes, sorry. Um, sometimes I forget it's not just you and me. <laughs> um, and they say, because they are the underdog. So you have the power, you can take care of yourself, someone needs to take care of them what they don't know is they're not helping they're not helping them what do you mean by supporting if you're there just because you want to support the underdog it's about you it's not about them it's about you think that you're doing the right thing so we go in there and we give them some blankets we give them some food take pictures of the lovely kids and we go back home you didn't do anything other than getting yourself some lovely pictures to Instagram or Facebook. What can be done, though? So if, if you ask me what can be done, you know, and again, this is a huge question, which I, ha I wish I had a better answer for that. But it's not, spoiling, it's not um, putting more oil into the fire. And this is what someone who comes to say, I'm pro, and no matter what, the next word is, I'm pro-Israel or pro-Palestine, it doesn't help. Be pro-peace and against war. Peace, yeah. Don't choose sides, because every side can tell you, and I started with that, every side can tell you why they are right. And, and you know, there is... I worked in Sderot as educational psychologist. You worked where, sorry? Sderot is a town um, seven kilometers from Gaza. And I walked there with children and families. Um, and they're not suffering from PTSD because there isn't post in whatever they're going through. It's, it's a present um, trauma that keep on going. And I walked with kids that at the age of 13 still wet in bed 
and I worked with parents that doesn't let their kids to go out to play in the playground. And I worked in the most safe town ever because everything is, is built with rocks. Every um, bus station is a safe area. From, you mean from blast? From, from everything, basically. Okay. Just stay there and you're good. Because you have 15 seconds, which actually is 13 because I've counted. Hang on, go on. Um, you have 15 seconds from the time you hear the alarm until you have to get yourself a safe place. So in Sderot, it's not hard. Every okay. seven seconds, you can find yourself a space, a safe space. Hardcover protection. Yes. Okay. And yet, there isn't even one child there that has a normal life. And I was there during um, um, Amud Anan, which was the first operation between um, um, it with, with um, Gaza. It was on um, two, um, 19, no, 2012, I think. Um, and I was there while I was pregnant. That was the massive operation, wasn't yes. it? The huge operation. Yes. I remember that. Now, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. there in Sderot. My brother Big was in the in 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 Aza in Gaza um, as a soldier. And when we talked, we could hear, you know, the uh, the sound of the muscle comes from both sides. And I was there pregnant, which I've lost the baby, and I don't know if that was the reason because you can't really live a normal life when you're there. And I had to lie on the ground every t- because the way to Sterot, that is the dangerous part. Once you get there, you have... You it's know, in Israel, right? Yes. And it's 40 minutes from, from Rehova, the center of Israel. So 40 minutes of, please keep me alive. And every time you hear the alarm, you need to go out of your vehicle and lay down on the ground um, with your head on the ground with your hands on top of your head. What stage of the pregnancy were you at when you were doing that? Um, I, it was the first um, trimester. trimester. Yes. Um, and then just one day, you know, no pulse. So I don't know. Maybe it has nothing to do with it. But to tell you about the nightmares and everything, you know, that came with those three years, probably it has a little bit of effect. Um, the second operation which was in 2014, um, I had my second daughter, my second child. And she was three years, three months. S- and I was in Rehovot, so not Sderot. And Rehovot has no safe areas. And usually my husband was at home during the evenings, and during the evenings was the u- usually the massive attacks. So every time we hear, we hear the alarm, I know that I go to the baby and he went to my three years old girl. And there was one day when he was, um, he was sent to the army. Um, um, I forgot how you say Miluim. You know, because when you finish your military service until the age of 45, you go once a year. Ah, oh, like reserve. Yes, reservist. Reserved. Yeah, yes. Okay. Um, so he wasn't there. And the first time there was the alarm, and in, in Rehovot I have 40 seconds to get to a safe place, which I don't have. So you choose the corridor, 
which is like the safest. The corridor of the okay, of yeah, the house, yeah, of the yeah. apartment. Is it? I, the safest. I thought it was. I think it's. I thought it was a door arch. No, that's an earthquake. Oh. <laughs> you want to have as much walls as you want. As, as much. Oh, from shrapnel Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I was by myself, and I had forty seconds, and I swear in God, if he's there, for thirty-five of them. I'm standing in in the middle of my house thinking, will I go to my three months years, you know, old baby or my three years old baby? Oh, my God. And which one of them I'm going to pick up and run to the safe area? Now, putting aside the fact that I would probably kill them both if something would happen because I was standing there like shocked and I didn't know what to do. And I was after three years in Sderot. It wasn't new to me. But the first time that I had to choose who I'm keeping safe. So things change. And suddenly peace is not an option for those 40 seconds. And then... And then, you you know, you can be smart and... And you can be human and you can be a lot of things. But when it comes to your life and to your children's life, there is an enemy and I want him down. Yep. And at that night, he, he hit, he did, I don't know how to say he didn't pass, you will say it, their nursery, which is like 10 minutes walk from my house. And thank God it was the middle of the night. So no one was there in the nursery. But there isn't a safe place in that nursery. Did they target it? Yeah. Did they target it? So I don't know. I don't mm. know. I don't think that, you know, they have such a clever... I don't uh, know, fix. though, dear. This is the thing. I mean... But at the end, we have books. We have facts. We have the truth. But at the end of all of that, I have at least seven graves to visit on Memorial Day. And I have life that I, I'm responsible for. So it's easy to, for me to sit here and to say, yes, you know, we are responsible because we are the strong one and we can help them. And it doesn't matter if it's our responsibility or not. If we can, we should. So what I want to say is let's, I know we can't, but let's put the past behind and the past is my you know my the people that I've lost as well so let's all put the past behind and think how we can create a better future but then at the end if I have to choose I don't want to choose between my three years old or my three months baby I'd rather to choose between me and the other person so you know, it's it's not simple, it's not easy. And the one thing that I hate the most is when people think they know. And when people think and they can come and say things about me and about my country and about my, my family and friends. You know that ever since, ever since that day, all, all I could think about is, thank God nothing happened, and thank God 
again, I don't think he's there, but let's say he is because I need to pray to something, that I don't have boys. I only have two girls. Why do you say that? Because their chances of staying alive higher. after a military service is oh. higher. Yeah. The... The... the uh, it's, uh, <coughs> so, right, again, going back, my understanding of the of, of Palestine, like, I think I said to you, I can't, I said it off air, actually, before we started the podcast, next military, and I've already explained the way we look at the Israeli military, sort of with a kind of admiration, well, in fact, definitely like that, I think most of us. Yeah. I used to cut back with the Israeli Defence Force t-shirts, they were pretty cool, I used to have, you know, America, I used to just cut back with t-shirts and badges and stuff of just different military forces. My IDF t-shirts, I loved them. I had two of them. Exactly the same t-shirt, two different colours. Loved them. IDF, it's Israel, right? It's cool. Um, and then I ended up reading Yasser Arafat's book, his biography. Flipping things at door wedge. Like one of the biggest, massive book. Huge. And I read that. And my opinion after that was, oh my God. Israelis are absolute bastards. Palestinians, are at, uh, they are being shat on. This is a nightmare. Then I thought, hang on a minute, I've just read Yasser Arafat's book. <laughs> so of course I'm going to think that, because it's Yasser Arafat's book, right? Um, and then I I, uh, I made the point, of going out and, I'm reading something neutral. I thought, oh, I just want to get a better handle on this. And I read a book called, and I passed it around a few times, and people recommended it. It was called The Palestine-Israel Conflict. Lots, uh, I can't remember. I can't, it was by two or three people. One was Jewish, I can't remember the other, uh, the other one. Um, I'll let you know after this. I'll, I'll okay. look at them. And it was supposedly um, an objective, an objective look at the Palestine-Israel conflict and history of it. Right, that's why my knowledge of okay, what was it back when there was no countries, no nothing? What? Well, how did it start? I don't know how to get onto this. Oh yeah, so okay, going forward, right? You're talking about solution, and you're talking about you know we forget the past and move forward. And I've done a lot of. I read that. I read those two books. Over well, how long ago now? Uh, eight nine years ago. Since I read those books, I've kept a strong eye on, a keen eye on news, what's going on, reading between the lines of news about Israel, news about Palestine, what America are doing, different what we are thinking of it, what other countries are doing, what Israel are doing, what Palestine are doing, just looking at it and going, okay. Think to myself, I've got a, I've got a better understanding of this than most because I've read up on it, which is a fact, okay? I've got a better understanding than most. That's not to say I haven't got the ultimate understanding of it, but I've got a better understanding of it. Most people, they look at the news, they listen to the media, they listen to what their friends say, if their friends talk about that kind of thing, and that's what their opinions are based on. They don't do any other research. That's just the way it is. I'm not, I'm not slagging those people off. That's the way it is. There's a 99 million topics I haven't done any research on. I hold an opinion because of news and the media. Because the Palestine is real, I think I'm a little bit more, I understand it a little bit more. And in line with that, I think my opinion of what should, what the right course of action is, is in line with yours. However, I think it's a course of action that would not be taken. My opinion on it is, is that the situation, so Israelis are not to blame for the situation. Palestinians are not to blame for the situation. Israelis who think all Palestinians are bastards and we should kill them all. They're not to blame for thinking that. Likewise. And they don't think that. 
Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, well, okay. So, all right. Now go on. I most of my friends think like me. Okay, it's like when I say that I don't hate the Palestinians here in the UK in London, people are like, oh, really? Yes. Like most of the Palestinians doesn't want to kill us all and throw us to the sea. Okay, which is the sentence that everyone said. That this is really a matter of economic and power. And I'm going to say something now that almost cost me my job here. But I really think that the Israeli government and the Palestinian ones, um, they benefit from that war. It, it's, it's all about money and power. I, I agree. I and, agree completely. And so when, when we talk about the issue, we can't talk about the Israelis or the Palestinians. It's not fair to put us all, you know, it's like people think I'm Bibi. I'm not Bibi Netanyahu, which is the, the head minister in Israel right now. Well, now they don't really know what they're doing. What do you mean they think you're Bibi? So once they know I'm Israeli, oh, oh so you're like Bibi. Ah. No. Like, really, no. And I think this is where we think it's just opinions. But we don't realize the impact of those opinions. And every time someone will say something bad, I need to defend. Because this is the human nature. And then you get into those conversations, those, you know, horrible conversations in, in Facebook and the media and the street. With the suggestions and solutions and the opinions. I agree. What I, what I was coming to is this. Sorry. Is that... No, no. It's not... It's, you know, it's you... In this forum, you're the SME. I understand. Your your opinions and your experiences are they're fascinating to me and very valuable to me for the reasons we explained. I get my stuff in books in the media. I speak to someone who, who's lived it, done it, lives it and does it. You know, yeah. that is, is real part of the same thing. But going back, my opinion is very much the same as yours. Yours, yours, yours situation. You've got, you've got a place that was called Palestine and a massive, a portion of that was handed over to Israelis. It was handed over to the Jews, Zionists, and then became Israel. Then a bunch of stuff happened, and the Israelis decided to take a bit more land, a bit more land, and they were allowed to, and they were allowed to by the West. I lay a huge blame on the situation in Israel and Palestine on the West. I want to say the West, and specify in Europe, Britain. USA, a huge blame on it. You should have been controlled from the start. Um, the situation we're in now is the extremists on both sides, and the uh, the third party viewers from outside. You know, your your extremist other people, British, Americans, Philippines, yeah. South Africans, French, guy, whoever, in support of Palestine, think well. The Israelis should give all the land back that they shouldn't have taken after the 1948 um, uh, decision yeah, to give yeah. them that land. Yeah. Or the extreme extremists should go, Israel shouldn't be there anyway. It shouldn't be Israel. It should be Palestine. And then on the other side, um, from the Israeli side, it's, well, the Palestinians, they just want to kill, they just want to kill all the Jews, they want to kill the Israelis. I'm going to talk about extremists here. Just it should all be Israel. In reality, 
Neither is possible. Um, if you look at what would potentially be the most achievable but not achievable situation, whereas, okay, Israel, you are given land in 1948, you were naughty boys between then and 1976, 1978, and you took more land than you were allowed, even with a UN resolution against it that's been in place since the 60s, saying give that land back, you haven't done it. Even if we were to try and go, okay, Israel, you have your place, but you give them all that land that you took, that you shouldn't have taken, give it back to the Palestinians, not possible. Because in that land where the Israelis had taken, there are families and communities and towns, maybe cities, well not cities, maybe cities in that land now that Israel took afterwards that no one said they could take. But there are families there and there are lives there who had nothing to do with it. They were born into that situation. You can't rip it away from them and then go, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you grew, you've been growing up here, now you're 30, 40, 50 years old. But bugger off back to the Israel that we gave you in 1948. This is now Palestinian land. You cannot do it. You cannot do it in the same way that the settlements that are being built on the border and in those nomads land and on, and on the West Bank, all that that are being built by the Israelis are being allowed to be built by the Israelis. The Israeli government are allowing us to be built. You've got families going, okay, let's go and build. We can build it. It'll be like settlements by Israelis. The Israelis are building the settlements. They're just doing... They're, they're just doing what they're allowed to do. And most of the population in Israel doesn't support it. I uh, just want to say. Uh, exactly. The problem is you can't go here or there. The, you can't go back. Okay, You can't hand any of the land back to either party. Yeah, it's like I saying agree. to Britain, okay, now undo. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Undo. Exactly. And, and this... So that's that's what you can't you can't change anything. The best thing you can do now, moving forward, if this is an ideal world, and everyone held the opinion that you were my equal, you're my equal, you're my brother, you're my sister, regardless of where you're from, regardless of your background, regardless of what's gone before, regardless of your religion, the colour of your skin, you're my equal. Okay, it's no longer like yeah, that's Palestine. This is Israel. What should happen is. Or the only course of action I see to prevent this going on for hundreds of more years, which is what's going to happen, the best course of action is to go, stop. It all stops now. This is where we're at. We cannot go back, for the reasons explained. We cannot go back. Palestine, Israel, we cannot go back to where we were before. It will cause more problems. It will make it last centuries into the future. This is where we're at now. Going to agree to be friends. <laughs> You're going to agree not have offences against each other. It's just the way it is. We understand certain things can be put in place to, I don't know, maybe offset the la- like offset the GDP that Palestine have lost to the land a lot. I don't know. But the only thing you do is go. This is where we're at now. This is where we're going to improve it going forward. You can't exchange land. You can't exchange communities. You can't tell people to all of a sudden get kicked out of their homes because they were because it was it wasn't theirs before they were even born. Um. Now, my question is, who do you say that to? Both countries. Who? When you say Well, country, first off, you make Palestine a country. Who? What do you mean? Who, who is responsible for making Palestine a country? And who is responsible well, got a, for who's, got, uh, who's leading that country? They've got an inverted commas of government, haven't they? An inverted commas of government. Which 90% of them don't want them there. It's not a bureaucratic, you know, system. They wasn't chosen to lead... You know, Palestine. They don't want them there. Well, they don't want who there? The Palestinians. Don't want who where? Doesn't want um, um, Ashraf. They doesn't want um, 
um, what do they Hamas. Want? What do they want? They want How do you know quiet. this? Because I, because I talk to them. Okay. Because, I, because I, I see more channels that can tell me what they think. And, I, and it's not easy. Because in between every two sentences, you can hear someone wants me dead. But I decided that probably, you know, we're doing the same. You know, for one side, we are um, a terrorist. And for the other, you know, it's freedom warrior. Right? It's this famous sentence. It, it is true. Now, they don't want to lose their lives. And we don't want to lose ours. So when we say that we need to, we just need to sit down and say, say to who? And that's why I said what I think we should do is help the community, help the civilians in Palestine raise up to develop their own power to decide for their own future. It's not, you can talk to my friend who will tell you that every day she can see at least 50 um, trucks, lorries, with blankets, with food, with supplies, every night. From where to who? From Israel to Gaza. Who's from Israel sending it? Israel. Really? The government. No one knows about Into that. Into the Palestinians? Yes, and she sent me a video. <gasps> because I asked her, can you please send me that video of trucks? Because she said every time, if I'm late for getting out of work... Don't mention her name. Yeah, no, 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 never. If I'm late of going out from, from work... I'm stuck in the traffic because the lorries are going so through. So is the Israeli government sending aid, humanitarian yes, aid, to the Palestinians? Every day. Why are they doing... Uh, the do reason I say why, to? because they're not, I'm guessing they're not being forced to do that by anyone else. They're doing it off yeah. their own back. What's the yes. reason there? That's a good sign. But that's what I'm saying. We don't want civilians to die. We don't want civilians to pay any price. But you know what happens? Once it goes back, once it goes, you know, through the barrier and then it's in Palestine, we don't control where it goes to. And it doesn't go to the civilians. Who's controlling that then? The government that we think <laughs> we need to talk to. And you will, you, I went to um, several meetings with combatants for peace in Israel. And so you could, you could talk to the Palestinians because they come too. And they're saying nothing gets, nothing is arriving to us. But yes, and how do you form a, just to, for people who were listening, watching, when you said government that you need to talk to, you did it in inverted commas, because there isn't a government there yes. right, in Palestine. Um, well, there are leaders, but it's not, since it's not a country, it's not a government, it's people in charge. Well, that's the same as any country, I think. Well, <laughs> Look at the UK right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I, see what, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But no one knows that. No. No one knows we're uh, helping. Well, it, they flipping do now. I did not know that. Uh, and that, to be honest, when you you just said that to me, I can't see a reason unless they unless it's like a some resolute UN resolution or there's going to be sanctions involved. Unless Israel sent humanitarian aid to the Palestinians, that is really that has really surprised me. Really on a surprised. daily basis. That has really surprised me. It's made me a bit happier about the situation. I hate, I yeah, hate no, the Palestinian conflict. I hate it. So me, it's one of the most difficult things to solve, but also one of the most opinionated things that people have about that part of the world. Like, but but, really but you know why it happens? Because when I just moved here, okay, I was here a few months, and there was um, 
in in the news or how Israel developed a new um, um, satellite weapon. I don't know how to call it. You know, these airplanes without a pilot. Drone. All of those words that I know how to say in Hebrew. Um, a drone. That is more accurate. So it will hit less civilians and it will be more accurate to hit who they want them, uh, who they want to hit. Now, when I read it, I said, I'm proud of my country. When someone, because before that, you know, it was less accurate, meaning we hurt more people that we, knew what, we didn't want to hurt them. All of my friends here that read it, and the f Facebook was on fire, look at them, they can't seem to get enough, all they want is to hit more people, all they want is more blood. Did we all read the same news? Mm. I mean... But that's just, yeah, I mean, that, that, that attitude towards information is more, is more a symptom of... is more a symptom of, of the way that the way that people are prone uh, are, are going with with not willing to look to look at the, the opposite over the over the other side of the fence you yeah. know on that weapon system i worked in what was it 2000 2010 i went to afghanistan with the military and before we went we were briefed on a i say we so the the commanders, two sergeants of the company I was going with, we were going to be benefiting from a, a new weapon system. And this is an Israeli weapon system. And uh, it was a closed room brief on it. And uh, I, I've got some friends I serve with who still listen to this podcast. They'd be, they'd be sitting, you think, nodding their heads. I mean, told this. I won't mention the name of the system. Um, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's probably out there in the public domain. It must be now, eight years later, nine years later, ten, ten years later now. Anyway, this, this, this weapon system was capable of striking you. So from hundreds of kilometers away hundreds of kilometers away so it could strike you kill you and you were sat for people who are listening um yeah i was sat three quarters of a meter from me seven 75 centimeters not far a couple of feet and it could strike you wipe you out of the face of the planet dead and i would come away with maybe a bit of ringing ears it was that accurate yeah. with that minimal collateral damage unbelievable unbelievable um we we're getting close to the end. Going, I mean, which is too sad because I have like a million things I want to say. But well, yeah. you you're more welcome to come back on again. Uh, absolutely, uh, that has flown by. Um, is there anything that you haven't spoken about now that you want to get across before we, before we finish off with this one? How long how long have you got before you you bug out of the UK? Um, five months. We'll do it again then. We can carry on. Maybe. And you know, the reason I don't want to go back is because my girls doesn't remember the alarms. They don't remember the ceremonies, talking about heroes. They don't remember safe place. But we have friends that just arrived from Israel two and a half months ago. Not before. and we Arrived two years from Israel? Yes. And I don't remember how many months before, but they just arrived to this um, bonfire thing. So it was October, right? In, in London, you have November this bonfire. 5th. Uh, November. Fireworks, right? Yeah. Something like that. They were afraid to leave the house. 
I don't want my the banks. Yes. I don't want and they lived in in the center of Israel. I don't want those kind of memories in my daughter's soul and mind. I don't want that. And if you go back and you in your and your children grow up there they're going to have to do national service, right? They're definitely going to feel the war and then participate in some way or another. Now I will support them if they will say they don't want to. And I will say you can find anywhere you want to give back to your country because I do believe you should go to hospitals, go walk with children, go walk with disabilities in some go and give back. At the age of 18, give at least one year or two from your life to give back because it taught me a lot about my part in this world. but i don't want them to have those memories i don't want them to jump every time someone you know some you know in a pub doesn't hold their glass like they should and it's break on the floor and i'm jumping i don't want that so you know i'm quite hopeless to be honest but i but just did not to finish with hopeless um approach I really think there is something we can do and I really believe it will start with the simple and small actions when we arrived we were at the beginning in school I know we don't have time I'll do it go in on, like on, one go minute on, go on. um we arrived and we were on the waiting list for the school that we are now and we went to a different school which was most of the population were muslim and my girl went there and they didn't know at the beginning where we were from and then we had this culture day and we told them and the day after those kids was obeyed from playing with my girl the parents stopped saying hello to me no i swear in god and while they were in school because kids children they are healthy in mind and spirit they were playing but, but hugely once, impressionable but once they left the schoolyard once their parents came to pick them up they didn't reply to any of her you know calls and she asked me why don't they answer me anymore and i had to say you know because there are people that they like to be more you know they like to go and to be with their family well, the jewish family we are not just jewish we are israelis and i went to um a horrible place called gambado which is like a gym, used gymbury for children it's paradise for kids hell for parents never mind what, what was it it's gambado it's like a used <laughs> gymbury it's it's a nightmare um and i saw there a table of three muslims women women and i asked them can i sit here and talk with you so my girls will see it's it's, it's possible That's amazing. And they said yes. You know, thank God they said yes. And we sat down and I told them about the situation and they were shocked because not everyone I uh, liked this. But I guess that if we were staying if we stayed at that school, how many years could I, you know, color it in different colors? She would understand. Yeah. 
So Unfortunately, hate is everywhere, but we have to. It's the world we live in. You know, as human beings, it's uh, it's within us to discriminate. Um, it's a survival tool yeah. to discriminate. Um, some discrimination is essential. Some discrimination is we're taught it, we grow up with it. It's in our genes, but it doesn't mean it's right. Um, and that's an example of it. And that's an amazing thing to do. You know, go and lead by example. You know, this is this is what it is. Just because you are Jewish, they're Muslim, um, or whatever other thing, go and sit down and, and, and treat people as equals. We are all equals, but it's so difficult in this day and age. So difficult. Uh, what would you... Uh, for people who aren't Israeli or Palestinian or understand or have experienced that but are exposed to um, the news updates um, about Israel the Israel-Palestine situation so your average Joe blogs who only listens or watches or hears about that situation on the news what would you see it to them to try and to, what would you what would you, your advice be to to better understand it, better understand the situation, get a more um, level level approach to the situation. Talk to us. Us being as as Israeli Palestinians, just ask, and we will answer. And remember that once you say, "Yeah, I have a side that I support," you think you're better than them. You think you are, you know, kind, but you actually say, "Yeah, I'm better than you, so I can support you." Right? Because you can't support if you don't have more than the other side. Don't support me. Listen to me. That's all I want. Don't put more hate into these horrible circumstances. That's it. Perfect. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank we should do it again if we can get time. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks. That's it. Thank you for listening. Leave me a fucking iTunes review. Yes. Oh, unless you're not an iTunes, uh, I, I, iTunes user or I or Apple Podcast user and. You're not on an idiot phone. If you are on an idiot phone, then please leave me an iTunes review. If you leave me an iTunes review, I will stop calling it an idiot phone. Anyway, that's enough from the Android user. Thank you very much for listening. Another shout out to my another shout out to my sponsors, Rugby for Heroes at Rugby Number Four Heroes. Next event, eighth and ninth of May. No, next event you can get to because all the rest of fucking sold out. Eighth and ninth of May is VE Day weekend. VE Weekend Celebrations at Old Edmontonians Rugby Football Club. I'll be there. The Forces Barbarians will be playing. Captained by uh, Paul Tug Hartley. Yes. And uh, supported by Rugby for Heroes. Get along to Rugby Number 4 Heroes on social media or rugbyforheroes.org online. Also, West Renaissance been sponsoring a podcast for flipping ages. Thank you to Tony Lewis, the MD, ex-military himself. Thank you to everyone at West Windows for supporting. Get along to if you look if you want to get a car, 
If you want to rent a car or you're after a new vehicle, maybe you've got a business, maybe you're, maybe you're an individual or you need a new wagon or a bunch of wagons or a fleet, get yourself to Westwood Nissan. They will give you up to 20% off your purchase. They will square you away. I know they will because I've experienced it. Also, if you're after a job and you're ex-military or maybe you're serving and you're getting out soon and you don't know what to do, Westway like to employ ex-military. I know for a fact over the last few months they have employed ex-military personnel that I know, which means there's a whole bunch more they've employed that I don't know. Westwaynissan.co.uk, Westwaynissan on social media. That is it. Thank you listening to HR Podcast. We're on YouTube, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify. Um, hope you enjoyed the HR Snapchats. That's enough for me. Until the next time, out.